everyone. Welcome to the um, May 10th uh, regular session City Council meeting. So uh, can we have a roll call, please? Mayor Peck. Present. Councilmember Dalgo Faring. Councilmember Martin. Present. Mayor Pro Tem Rodriguez. Here. Councilmember Waters. Here. And Councilmember Yarbrough. Here. Mayor, you have a quorum. Thank you. Let's stand for the pledge. Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I would like to note that uh, Councilwoman Hidalgo Faring isn't here yet. Hopefully, she will uh, pop in any minute. So I have a reminder to the public that uh, we, do, we are not live streaming this meeting tonight. So you can still view it by going to longmontpublicmedia.org forward slash, slash watch forward slash. Um, so anyone that wants to uh, speak at first call public invited to be heard, you have to add your name to the list outside the council chambers. Only those who have added their name will be invited to speak at the first public invited to be heard. Speakers who do not place their names on the list will still have the opportunity to speak during public invited to be heard uh, on items this evening or at the very final call public invited to be heard at the end of the meeting. And I would like to note that Councilwoman Hidalgo Faring has entered the room. You're welcome. Can I have a motion to approve the minutes of May 5th? So moved. Thank you. And Mayor, there were no minutes for approval um, on this. Oh, I'm sorry. Last agenda. I just read approval of minutes and go with that. <laughs> sorry. Uh, Lucienne, do we have any agenda revisions? We do indeed this evening, Mayor. Um, first of all, on consent item 9B10, uh, which was resolution R202279 um, involving uh, agreements with Phyllis E. Owen for the purchase of real property. Um, that item is being removed from the agenda tonight due to some issues surrounding that agreement. Okay. Additionally, um, council members will find at their desk a substitute copy of the agreement for item 9H, which was resolution R202288, uh, resolution of the Longmont City Council approving the second amendment to the 2019 intergovernmental agreement between the cities of Boulder and Longmont, granting Longmont funds to implement and manage a housing rehabilitation program for the city of Boulder. There were some typographical issues in the copy that went out with the packet and was posted, um, an incorrect reception number in paragraph B, and then we also needed to add the words of Longmont to the word city in section four. And so a corrected copy of that agreement is in front of council members this evening. And finally, um, staff would like to pull item 9I um, for the water supply and drop management plan for 2022 and 2023 for presentation this evening. Thank you. Got that. Okay, do uh, any councilors have uh, items that they would like to put on future agendas? Seeing none, we will go to the city manager's report, or in this case, the assistant city manager, as our city manager, Harold Dominguez, is not here this evening. No report, Mayor. All right. Um, we do have a special report and presentation, but actually it's a proclamation tonight 
designating May 22nd as No Mo May in Longmont. I'm going to read the proclamation and if, uh, if someone, who presented this, are you in the room? You are, that group. Okay, after I read it, if you would like to come up and make some statements. So proclamation, a proclamation designating May 2022 as No Mo May in Longmont, Colorado. Whereas the citizens of Longmont recognize that pollinators are crucial contributions to essentially every ter terrestrial ecosystem on Earth, assisting in plant reproduction and supporting other species of wildlife, and whereas pollinators touch our lives in numerous ways each day, including being responsible for approximately one-third of the food and drink we consume. And whereas the citizens and city of Longmont acknowledge that the traditional monoculture lawn lacks floral resources or nesting sites for pollinators. And whereas the citizens and city of Longmont recognize reduced mowing can create habitat and increase the abundance and diversity of wildlife, including bees and other pollinators. And whereas No Mow May aims to encourage citizens to allow lawns to grow unmown for the month of May, creating important habitat and forage for early season pollinators. Now therefore, I, Joan Peck, Mayor, by virtue of the authority vested in me and the City Council of the City of Longmont, do hereby proclaim May 2022 as No Mow May in Longmont and encourage community members to participate, participate by not mowing their lawns in May. So would you like to come up? Hi, thank you very much, um, Mayor Peck. And I wanted to give an extra shout out to Council Member Martin mm -hmm. for the extra support she gave me um, in suggesting this proclamation. So um, as you proclaimed, um, it's no mo may. Um, so what I wanted to talk a little bit about why, why we wanted to do this. Um, lawns are the single largest irrigated crop that we grow. They provide little benefit to wildlife and use large amounts of money, time, and other resources. Um, as you mentioned, the traditional monoculture lawn lacks floral resources and nesting sites for bees and is often treated with large amounts of pesticides and herbicides that harm bees and other invertebrates. Um, we need to rethink the American lawn and other turf areas in our city. Supporting No Mow May is a great way for the city and residents to recognize this need for change. Mowing lawns, creates, um, mowing lawns less creates habitat and increases the abundance and diversity of wildlife, including bees and other pollinators. Um, it saves water, helps your lawns become more resilient to drought, reduces emissions from gas-powered lawn equipment um, that often lack emission reduction equipment. So I think this is exciting, and I hope everyone will try and get their HOAs on board with this as well. So thank you very much, Council and Mayor Peck. Thank Thanks. you. Would you care to have a picture taken while we give you the proclamation? Sure, we have a few people here that would, Oh, they all yeah. want to speak? No, they oh, okay. just wanted to be here for the presentation. For the picture. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
Before we move on to the first call, public invited to be heard, I would like to take a moment to recognize our transportation planners, Phil Greenwald and Ben Ortiz. Um, at the recent uh, Dr. Cog Awards celebration, Longmont's transportation planner, Phil Greenwald, was recognized for his work on the Way to Go program. He's not here. Um, <laughs> through RTD. Uh, this is, this is an exciting program, and it is the first time in two and a half years that Dr. Cog actually had an in-person in uh, meeting and award celebration. So it was really with pride that I watched Phil go up, and it was very interesting to watch he and Ben decide who was going to go up and get this award. So uh, Way to Go is a program through RTD, and it is free transit. So if anyone's interested, uh, go on the RTD site and search for Way to Go, and it might be something that you would like to try out. So um, now we can go on for first call public invited to be heard. Remember that we have three minutes, and would you please state your name and address? The first one is Jeremy Gregory. Thank you, Mayor Peck and City Council. Jeremy Gregory, 238 Sweet Valley Court, Longmont, Colorado. And I just want to uh, take a quick moment to uh, sincerely thank you for making the month of May no mo May. This can be a really big step in educating and more so inspiring our community to incorporate attainable solutions-based practices in their lives to help protect our environment. But we shouldn't stop here. Let this be just one of many other vital steps that we can take from, repla from replacing water-sucking lawns in favor of more endemic drought-tolerant landscaping to concepts like removing single-use plastics from our city and using something that is more ecologically sound even. These, these high-impact solutions are something that my fellow colleagues and I will be looking forward to working with City Council on in the near future. But again, thank you again for being open and receptive to ideas that protect our environment while improving the quality of life for all the residents of Longmont, including the sentient beings we share this amazing place with. So thank you, guys. Really thank you, Jeremy. Uh, Anna? Oh, it looks like that. Okay. It looked like you crossed your name off for a moment. Let me write my address correctly. Oh, okay. Hi, yes. My name's Anna Rivas. Uh, I'm at 4501 Nelson Road. Uh, and while we're on the subject of no mow may and th rethinking attitudes and practices around mowing grass, I wanted to also bring up a related issue that needs reconsideration. With climate change and the impact it's having on our water resources, we need to reevaluate where that water is used. I was reading in the Denver Post about the 20-year mega drought we're in. This year, Colorado didn't get enough snow over the winter to recover its dry soils and waterways. At best, portions of the states are considered abnormally dry by the U.S. Drought Monitor. At worst, we're in the southeast and southwest corners are in an exceptional drought. Colorado didn't get enough snow to fully recover from the ongoing mega drought, and whatever snow we did get is melting too quickly, and is going to be probably completely melted out by end of May or beginning of June. This pattern is only the beginning of what we'll see with climate change. In, such, in light of such a dramatic decrease in available water, plans that were made almost two decades ago when climate change was barely registering on most people's minds need to be reevaluated. Specifically, I'm thinking about the plans that were made for Dry Creek Park. Although there is a small creek that flows through there, it will likely completely live up to its name in the near future. The plan calls for planting the area with turf for more sports fields. Given the scenario we're facing, creating new vast expanses of grass that need watering, 
fertilizing, mowing, and herbicides are the opposite of what's called for. It would be unwise to, to refuse to correct course, course correct and instead follow through with the plans that were made when we still were not acknowledging the reality of climate change. Now, with all the recent fires we have seen and the undeniable fact that we're not getting the snow and rain that we're so used to getting, forging ahead with such plans would be like plowing a ship into an iceberg simply because it was a designated course. In light of climate change and the threats of facing pollinators, rather than proceeding to create an area that needs to be pampered with regular watering and mowing, fertilizing and pesticide applications, it makes more sense to leave the area in a more natural state. Moreover, during the pandemic, many people re rediscovered the comfort and joy to be found in spending time in nature, observing birds and other wildlife. Spending time in nature has been scientifically proven to help with mental health problems such as anxiety and depression. The American Psychological Association has said that spending time in nature is linked to both cognitive ben benefits and improvements in mood, mental health, and emotional well-being. With the current state of the world and the economic situation, we could certainly use more, do more doses of nature. So I hope you will reconsider your plans to destroy this small, quiet pocket of nature that exists in my neighborhood. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. And I apologize for this next name if I screw it up. Anthony Carrillo. Okay. Hello. Hello. <laughs> my first time up here. Um, my name is Anthony. I'm with Changing the Future. We help out with the homeless here in Longmont. And I know there is an issue that, was, that keeps coming up about um, Lanning Park. Um, I want to bring to your attention is that a lot of them, they're afraid. They're afraid to go for help. They're afraid to go to Hope. They're afraid to go to the Hour Center mostly because they got tickets for trespassing and small things. Um, what has been said to me is that a lot of them are being arrested. They will go to jail. They'll come out. They'll go back into jail. And that's just for being at the park. I know that a lot of them are on drugs. A lot, there's a lot of issues with that. But there is a lot of good ones. And the way I see it is, is I look at them as kids, as family. There's always that family member or that child that doesn't listen to you. And all we can do is just try and help no matter what, even if they keep doing bad. Because one day they're going to give up and say, you know what, I want to change. Mm. And I want to be there to help them. We've helped with cell phones. We help with jobs. We help with food. We help with clothes out of our own pockets. Now, I'm not officially a 501c3, but it's a goal of mine. Because I used to be homeless myself. Mm. I used to live in parks. I used to live with family, friends. I had to move from places. I used to live right across the street um, at the in-between. I got kicked out because they said I was doing drugs. That was false. There was a lot of things, but I came up in life, and now I want to help the homeless. A lot of them are not here. A lot of them would like to speak. A lot of people, they don't know their side of the stories. We don't know until we actually talk to them. A lot of the stuff that they go through um, with Hope and with the Hour Center, with a lot of the other nonprofits, no one doesn't see it. No one doesn't hear it. They're afraid. Right now, I have um, about 20 to 30 that are living outside of Longmont, which no one's never seen, off of 119th and Kim Pratt. They have tomorrow to leave. They only have a week. They've been there for three years 
undetected because they just want to be left alone. Now, we could push them to the side. We can hide them, but they're still people. We're still going to have this problem. We're going to keep having this problem until we fix it, until they actually have a spot. I understand the kids want to play at the parks. I understand about all that. But there's the ones that are afraid or the ones that actually don't have a chance. They don't have a driver's license. And when the police stop by and they throw away their stuff and they have their driver's license in there, guess what? They have to start all over. No one doesn't know until they actually talk to them. There's times where I had to go pick up trash. And I know it wasn't them. It could be a random person that doesn't like the homeless that throws the trash. There's way more to this story. No one's not paying attention to it. I actually took time from work to come to say this. Thank you, Anthony, and keep up your work, your good work. Thank you. Paula Fitzgerald. Good evening, Mayor Peck and Councilman. Um, my name is Paula Fitzgerald. I'm at 419 Emory Street. You'll be voting tonight on the proposed change to the public land section of the municipal code. There are three sections in this proposed amendment. Two of them define camping and shelter use, and I have no problem with those. But the third change relates to park hours, and this is a mistake. The proposed change will move hours for neighborhood parks to the same category as nature areas and greenways, which are habitat areas with an abundance of wildlife. Neighborhood parks generally do not have an abundance of wildlife. This is an inappropriate change and doesn't fit the park areas. The apparent reason for the change is to address the homeless issue at Lanyon Park and maybe a handful of other parks. I understand this is a big problem for Lanyon, but to take a blanket approach to the entire city because of issues at Lanyon is unreasonable. There have been very few problems with use until 11 p.m in most of our other 25 neighborhood parks. So why punish the entire community for the problems at one? These are public parks and should be open and accessible to the public as much as is reasonable. The exceptions in the proposed ordinance also shorten the time of use from 11 to 10 p.m. for specific lighted facilities. What about those who may be in the park because a family member is playing in a lighted facility, but they want to enjoy in other areas of the park? What about those warm winter nights when the sun sets at 4 p.m., but is still pleasant enough to enjoy your neighborhood park? For those that return home from work at 5 p.m. or later, they'd just be out of luck. This ordinance change is unreasonable and not localized to the, to the problem area. Temporary rules are needed at times and should be enacted when, when and where appropriate. Lanyon has needed temporary rules to address a problem with homelessness, and that park should continue to utilize them until the problem is solved. But please don't make, make the answer to this problem a problem in itself. I also object to the lack of public process in this proposal. As far as I can tell, a very small staff group and hand-picked community members vetted this change. Only last night did it go to Parks and Rec Advisory Board and there wasn't any information in the, on the proposal in the agenda packet. That's a poor way to engage the public. I ask that you amend this amendment by removing the park hours recommendation. 
continue to work on Lanyon to resolve that problem. Some of you may remember Don Bessler, who was Parks and Rec director several years ago. Don was fond of saying, legitimate use displaces illegitimate use. This is true. Let's encourage people to get out and use our parks and target the problems when and where they arise. Keep our parks open for us to enjoy, please. Thank you. Thank you, Paula. Sharon O'Leary. Sharon O'Leary, 534 Emory Street. City Council on your agenda, 12B. There is an item about changing all city park hours to close one hour after sunset and one hour before sunrise. This is a huge change to the long-standing standard of Longmont neighborhood parks, which is 5 a.m. to 11 p.m., which is also curfew. It appears that the city change of park hours is to match those of the Greenway and nature areas, which you should be aware of, are, have completely different standards as well as uses. This decision was not made with PRAB Parks and Rec Board input until the night prior to this meeting. But most importantly, it was not made with public input. One can only guess the reason for this landmark change. Could it be a short-sighted decision to a solution to homelessness? So instead of gathering public input on the societal issue, the city will punish all citizens with less hours to access their neighborhood park. Taxpaying citizens who also pay a bonus, $2 parks and greenway monthly maintenance fee will have less park access due to problems of non-taxpaying citizens. I believe there are better solutions. First, gather in-depth data to support your decision from other cities across Colorado and other states. What are their neighborhood park hours? What are their community park hours? What solutions have those cities used to address homelessness in neighborhood parks? Um, a majority of cities have already had to deal with this issue. Are the majority of these cities using one-size-fit-all as an approach, and has it been successful? Well, for starters, let's just look at the resource Longmont already has in place. This should have been a multi-meeting agenda item for Neighborhood Group Leaders Association instead of our typical items such as city trash and composting and how the, that department operates. The NGLA website states that the mission of NGLA is a forum for community leaders to collectively identify concerns, discuss issues, resolve conflict, implement solutions and create healthy neighborhoods with a strong sense of community. Gathering information and ideas from other neighborhoods is a great starting point. Next, NGLA city employee Wayne Tomac and his team should be assisting the neighbors of Lanyon Park in becoming a registered neighborhood, along with the assistance of other organized neighborhoods. Give Lanyon Park the same time and attention that HOAs presently receive. Finally, displace undesirable use with desirable use. Load up this park with family and community activities. Don't pass the burden of increased costs to make new park signs and new, for the new hours and the added cost of enforcement, whether it's rangers or police officers, onto the Longmont citizens. Please do not make rules for a small number of people. Thank Let's you, Let's put public 
back into the process. Thank you, Sharon. Jeffrey Justice. Jeffrey Justice, 1402 uh, Emory Court. Uh, I want to start with my conclusion is I don't have the answer. Um, talking about the homeless situation. I've been walking my dogs around Longmont for 12 years, so I've seen a lot. I've been through all the parks, all the outlying areas. I've seen a lot, probably more than most people. Uh, I run into, you know, the homeless or the displaced people all the time. Some of them are very nice. I look forward to seeing them. I don't think they cause problems at all, but they're just displaced and they have no means. Others do have a problem and do cause problems. There's a lot of intravenous drug use, needles left all over the place. I've seen all that too. But to me, this is just a problem of society. Uh, I don't see what the answer is if you move people away from Lanyon Park, where are they going to go? They don't have any means. So they're going to go to another park, Spangler Park, Collier Park. It's just to another place and to another place. I don't know what the answer is, but you have people that uh, some have drug problems, some do this by choice. Uh, I look at them as uh, refugees. I think some things that could be done uh, I would like to see more porta potties around certain areas because, I mean, where do people go? Uh, you could put them in certain areas, and that that might help help some things. But the the main thing that for me is where do they go? You you clear Lanyon Park, but. Uh, I don't think the police are going to start arresting people. I mean, people don't even get arrested for uh, car theft and catalytic converter theft. They get a citation. So what are they going to do when someone's in a park after hours? So I don't, I don't have the answer. I just think I treat these people as people. I don't know what the answer is. It's just a problem of our society. And uh, I hope Longmont can come together with gentlemen like this and others and get some relief. Um, this situation. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff Jeffrey. Paige Lewis. Good evening, Mayor and Council Members. My name is Paige Lewis. I live at 805 Nelson Park Lane. I'm currently the chair of the Parks and Recreation Advisory Board. And I noted that you have our motion with regard to a new recreation facility on your agenda later tonight. So I just wanted to come and express the board's appreciation for you considering our motion and let you know that this really is, uh, remains a top priority for the board, so much so that we have put it as a standing item on all of our agendas so that we can stay regularly in touch with staff and council members as this issue is considered Despite the fact that the recent ballot initiative related to a pool and ice did not pass, we continue to hear a lot of interest from the public, a lot of strong demand for additional recreation facilities in Longmont, and a feeling that 
for a city of our size, we really are lacking in those facilities and it's something that it's important to address. We do think it's important that prior to action, the council invests in updated polling and feasibility analysis to make sure that our understanding of what the community's priorities are with regard to new recreation facilities is current. Uh, a lot of things have changed through our experience of COVID and it's important that we approach this with an updated perspective. Uh, we also want to know what are the best options for designing a facility or complex that maximizes rec recreation opportunities for the city and surrounding communities uh, is up to date and also fiscally responsible. So again, I really just wanted to come tonight and express our appreciation for you taking this up. We stand ready to work with you as you determine next steps on this important issue for the well-being and health of the community. Thank, Thank you, you, Paige. Erin Angel, or Ann Hill. Angel. Hi, my name is Erin Angel, and I live at 1304 South Terry Street, and I hate public speaking. <laughs> and so it's making me nervous, um, which I shouldn't be. I happen to be on the Parks and Recreation Advisory Board as well, but I don't pretend to speak for the board on this. We just, um, we actually were just kind of alerted to the situation with the, the new curfew in the parks and the, the new um, regulations for shelters that was just told us uh, told to us last night. So I haven't even had much time to ruminate on that part except for to say that I think two hours in a park shelter is too short for anybody's really good birthday party. And not everybody um, does feel comfortable renting because renting the park shelter because not everybody has the money for that. So I'd say bump it up to two and a half hours, maybe three, and I'd be on board with that personally. The part that really, um, really deep-seated bothers me um, about that whole proposition is, well, first the lack of, lack of public process. And I know that you, you really worked hard for certain groups to get their voice heard with Lanyon Park, but um, that same effort wasn't extended to all the community members and for all the parks. And uh, my park doesn't fit that mold. I live by Kanemoto Park. In fact, I call most of the parks my park, but they're your parks too, and hers and his, and they're all our parks. And my park doesn't fit that mold of being able to be closed right after dark. So my park um, happens to be in Southmore Park where we have a super mixed group of people. And lots and lots of my neighbors were construction and roofing and landscaping. And in the summers, they don't come home until after dark because that's when their job ends. And they still have a need to recreate. And they do recreate. And their families go out and they kick back and hang out in the park until midnight or later. Uh, but mostly kids go home at midnight and maybe the parents are staying up later. Our park is alive and kicking and happy and fun after dark. And I'd like to see all the parks like that. I thought Lanyon could be like that too if more people would come out and be in Lanyon Park. I know that there's been a push by some people in the city to uh, create some activities there and we're just going to go out and do it. 
And uh, I was on, I was asked to sign up for that like a month ago. So I'm going to do it and I'm going to help out where I can. But I ask you not to make a blanket curfew. Uh, it makes it makes our young people uncomfortable to be approached by the police on the curfew. Um, and they shouldn't feel uncomfortable in their parks. They're their parks. And thanks and have a good evening. Thank you, Erin. Strider. I do. Uh, Strider Benston, 951 West 17th. It was great to see Aaron here. Um, we're in the same church that donated land and built uh, small homes for people, and we also melted down guns into agricultural instruments, so that's cool. And uh, uh, as some often is the case, I agree with everything everybody has said. Um, and also, um, I've been a no-mo in May for the last uh, 70 years or more. <laughs> um, I, I eat my dandelions. They, uh, that's about the best food on the planet. Most people poison them, and then the uh, butterflies and bees get poisoned because they put poison out in everywhere. But um, so many things. Um, there, I just read today a preacher at a white Southern Baptist megachurch near my hometown in Fort Smith, Arkansas, uh, said he cannot preach anymore because um, many people in his congregation, well, he, he made some reference to people don't worship God anymore, they worship celebrities, you know, and uh, uh, could be Oprah, could be Trump. Uh, he mentioned Tom Hanks, and he got assaulted by people in his own church. He's the senior pastor of a med mega church because they said, oh, Tom Hanks eats babies. Um, and this is the type of insanity of a major portion of our country that is taking place now. And it just uh, uh, trans uh, and uh, QAnon, Putin, Trump, it's the same person pretty much. And this Oanon is the same as Poonan. Uh they, uh they were ordered to uh, dismiss their uh, uh, lying about the election in 2020, but they're continuing to do it. They just made one little statement that nobody watched. Um, and uh, the, uh, well, the Supreme Court, um, all right, they've said women are no longer citizens. They have no rights. They can be thrown in jail, and their doctors, and their mother, and their taxi cab driver, and such as that. And then they said, well, we got a foothold. Let's go back. Let's abolish any Supreme Court decision we don't like, like Brown versus Board. Um, resegregate the schools officially, and they can go back to Dred Scott. Black people are no longer human beings. Thank you, Strider. Uh, let's wake up and realize what's happening. Thank you. Is there anyone else in the uh, 
audience who would like to speak at first public invited to be heard? Seeing none, I'm going to close public invited to be heard. And we're going to move on to the consent agenda. Uh, Lucianne, would you mind reading the items in the consent agenda into the record? Certainly, Mayor. Um, ordinances on this consent agenda will be set for second reading and public hearing on May 24th, 2022, unless otherwise noted following the item title. Item 9A is Ordinance O-2022-18, a bill for an ordinance authorizing a long-term water supply agreement between the City of Longmont, acting by and through its water utility enterprise, East Cherry Creek Water, Valley Water and Sanitation District, acting on its own and on, its, on behalf of its East Cherry Creek Valley Water Activity Enterprise, Inc., Arapahoe County Water and Wastewater Authority, and United Water and Sanitation District. Item 9B is resolutions of the Longmont City Council authorizing agreements between the city and multiple property owners along 17th Avenue for the purchase of real property for sidewalk improvements. Um, and the following 13 items um, are those agreements along 17th Ave. One is R-2022-70, a resolution of the Longmont City Council authorizing agreements between the City of Longmont and Robert P. Gilligan for the purchase of real property at 2210 17th Avenue for the 17th Avenue Sidewalk Improvements Project. Two is R-2022-71, a resolution of the Longmont City Council authorizing agreements between the City of Longmont and Harry Larry J. Hayes for the purchase of real property at 2150 17th Avenue for the 17th Avenue Sidewalk Improvements Project. Three is R-2022-72, a resolution of the Longmont City Council authorizing agreements between the City of Longmont, Paul C. Hoffman and Robert R. Orlando for the purchase of real property at 1724 Sumner Street for the 17th Avenue Sidewalk Improvements Project. Four is R-2022-73, a resolution of the Longmont City Council authorizing agreements between the City of Longmont, Michael G. Jordan and Marie a. Jordan for the purchase of real property at 1708 17th Avenue for the 17th Avenue Sidewalk Improvement Improvements Project. Five is R-2022-74, a resolution of the Longmont City Council authorizing agreements between the City of Longmont and the estate of Merle S. Kevin and Lois H. Kevin for the purchase of real property at 1408 17th Avenue for the 17th Avenue Sidewalk Improvements Project. Six is R-2022-75, a resolution of the Longmont City Council authorizing agreements between the City of Longmont and Robert L. Kevin for the purchase of real property at 1424 17th Avenue for the 17th Avenue Sidewalk Improvements Project. Seven is R-2022-76, a resolution of the Longmont City Council authorizing agreements between the City of Longmont, Sharon Ann Lundgren, and Donald E. Ketch for the purchase of real property at 1808 17th Avenue for the 17th Avenue Sidewalk Improvements Project. Eight is R-2022-77, resolution of the Longmont City Council authorizing agreements between the City of Longmont and Kathy M. Moore for the purchase of real property at 1802 17th Avenue for the 17th Avenue Sidewalk Improvements Project. Nine is R-2022-78, a resolution of the Longmont City Council authorizing agreements between the City of Longmont and Sarah Joyce Morrow for the purchase of real property at 1524 17th Avenue for the 17th Avenue Sidewalk Improvements Project. 10, R-2022-79, uh, was removed from the consent agenda as noted earlier. 11 is R-2022-80, a resolution of the Longmont City Council, authorizing agreements between the City of Longmont and Mary Jo Rourke for the purchase of real property at 1500 17th Avenue for the 17th Avenue Sidewalk Improvements Project. 12 is R-2022-81, 
81, a resolution of the Longmont City Council authorizing agreements between the City of Longmont and Judy K. Turner for the purchase of real property at 1608 17th Avenue for the 17th Avenue sidewalk improvements project. And 13 is R-2022-82, a resolution of the Longmont City Council authorizing agreements between the City of Longmont and David J. Welter for the purchase of real property at 1600 17th Avenue for the 17th Avenue sidewalk improvements project. Item 9C is R-2022-83, a resolution of the Longmont City Council approving the intergovernmental agreement between the city and Boulder County for parent education services for family engaged in the Rewind program. 9D is R-2022-84, a resolution of the Longmont City Council approving the revocable permit and agreement between the city and able to sail for summer camps at Union Reservoir. 9E is R-2022-85, a resolution of the Longmont City Council approving the revocable permit and agreement between the city and Rocky Mountain Paddleboard LLC for paddleboard operations at Union Reservoir. 9F is R-2022-86, a resolution of the Longmont City Council approving the revocable permit and agreement between the city and the Union Sailing Club to provide sailing opportunities at Union Reservoir. 9G is R-2022-87, a resolution of the Longmont City Council approving the revocable permit and agreement between the city and Garden Acres Batting Ranges, LLC, to provide batting cage operations at Garden Acres Community Park. 9H is R-2022-88, a resolution of the Longmont City Council approving the Second Amendment to the 2019 Intergovernmental Agreement between the Cities of Boulder and Longmont, granting Longmont funds to implement and manage a housing rehabilitation program for the City of Boulder. 9I is accept the City of Longmont's 2022-2023 Water Supply and Drought Management Plan. And 9J is approved two Capital Improvement Program Amendments. Thank you, Lucien. That was a very long. Oh, yeah. Yay! <laughs> Great. Um, are there any uh, counselors that would like to pull any items off of this consent agenda? Seeing none, uh, can I have a motion to approve the consent agenda? I move to approve the consent agenda. <laughs> can I have a second? Oh, that's right. Go ahead and make the motion. I, I take my motion off of the agenda, and Councilman Waters is going to make one. Yes. I, correct. 9I, and then also... Did we want to take off uh, 10 as well for the B10? Thank you. We're going to get this right. So it's been seconded by Councillor Martin, all those uh, in favor. Um, are we going to vote? Yep. Vote electronically. And that passes unanimously. Thank you, everybody, for moving that. So um, are we going to have a staff presentation? No, we'll wait for that. So we're going to move right into the ordinance on second reading and public hearings on any matter. Uh, at this time, if anyone in the public would like to speak on an item on this agenda when you're when it is called for public invited to be heard, now would be the time to do that. 
Number 10 uh, is A, 10A is O, 2022-16, a bill for an ordinance amending Chapter 2.84.020 of the Longmont Municipal Code on the Senior Citizens Advisory Board. Do we have a staff report on this? No? Okay. Um, do we have any questions from council on this ordinance? Seeing none, uh, would the public like, is there anybody from the public that would like to speak on this ordinance? Seeing none, I will close the public uh, public hearing. Can I have a motion for this ordinance? Councillor uh, Martin. Okay. Okay, it's been moved by Councillor Martin, seconded by Mayor Pro Tem Rodriguez. All those in favor? All right, let's vote. Shall we just do a hand vote on this one? All those in favor, please raise your hand. All those opposed, that passes unanimously. 10B is a bill for an ordinance amending Chapter 11.04, Section 11.04.140 of the Longmont Municipal Code on the extension of the traffic safety surcharge. Do we have a staff report on this ordinance? Seeing none, uh, do we have any discussion from councilors on this ordinance? Is there anybody in the public that would like to speak on this ordinance? Seeing none, I'll close the public hearing and let's vote on. I move ordinance 2022-17. Thank you. I'll second. Okay, that's been moved by Mayor Pro Tem Rodriguez, seconded by Councillor Hidalgo Faring. Let's vote. And that carries, passes unanimously. Um, now we're going to go to items that have been removed from the consent agenda, which is items uh, I and 10. Just I, not 10. We, okay. One's amended and removed. Yeah. Okay. And we do have a presentation. Hello. Uh, good evening, uh, Mayor and Council Member. <clears throat> Again, Ken Houston, I'm the Water Resources Manager at City of Longmont, and tonight we'd like to present the 2022-23 um, um, Water Supply and Drought Management Plan. Um, as you have probably been hearing in the news, there's, there's a little concern about um, the water supply all over the state of Colorado, especially southern. And so um, I'd like to introduce Wes Lowry, who's our Water Resources Analyst, who does a lot of the number crunching on this, so I wanted to give him an opportunity to, to go over some of the some of the numbers, and then also a, a little ex explanation for um, why we are where we are in Longmont versus some of the other cities. So, thank you very much, Wes. Uh, Madam Mayor and members of Council, uh, want to thank you for this opportunity to speak to you guys about um, the City of Longmont's Water Supply and Drought Management Plan for the 2022-2023. Um, uh, last month this plan was presented to the Longmont Water Board and the Sustainability Advisory Board and at their meetings uh, they concurred with staff to recommend acceptance of the plan before you tonight. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was the water supply and demand projections uh, for this year. 
So comparing Longmont's water supply to projected demand is the principal evaluation tool uh, that the plan uses to determine the most appropriate drought response level for Longmont. Um, so kind of a summary of that plan that was included in your packet. Um, and as described in the plan, one of the primary indicators for determining if Longmont is at a sustainable conservation level is when water supply is 135% of its projected demand. For 2022, Longmont is at, uh, projected at 141%. For comparison, in 2020 and 2021, Longmont's percent of supply to demand was 138 and 141% respectively. Currently, the snowpack, stream flow, and storage for the St. Vrain Basin are near average. And then I'm going to highlight uh, the snowpack differences later in this presentation. The 2023 and 2024 percent of supply demand projections are 140 and 137 percent. So you can see that we're just we're slightly above uh, that trigger. So uh, what is the current level of drought? In May of last year, Council accepted the Longmont's current 2021 and 22 water supply and drought management plan, which established Longmont to be at a sustainable conservation level. So that's where we're at now, and that's also where we're um, proposing that it remain. This year's plan also indicates Longmont will remain at that same level. And based upon our water treatment plan production information, uh, Longmont uh, customers have continued to demonstrate that they're doing their best management practices in 2021, um, customers used um, approximately 95% of the amount of water that was used by customers in 2002. So although we've had uh, more customers, more people living in the city in the last 19 years, um, the amount of per capita use has went down, thus less water use. Um, when at a sustainable conservation level, uh, we're going, the city will continue to implement uh, public information efforts. The city will voluntarily work towards a 10% reduction in water use for all city uses. Uh, there will be no surplus water rental declaration and staff will continuously monitor water demand and supply uses. So looking at comparing front, uh, city of Longmont with other front range water providers. Uh, one of the goals of this presentation is to explain what some of the primary differences uh, are between Longmont and other front range cities, as they may find themselves in different uh, response, uh, drought response levels. So why is Longmont still at this level when others are not? Many of the most senior water rights in the South Platte Basin um, can be found in the uh, originating in the long, greater Longmont area. And by application of our raw water requirement policy, we've received um, a large interest in those water rights. And because of that, we now have um, a very strong senior water rights portfolio. Longmont's uh, overall trans-basin water supply, so those will be waters that come from the Colorado Big Thompson uh, River project. Um, that is a significant source of Longmont's total supply. Um, 
And so that's, we have um, a lot of water that's available to us because of that. And I'll speak to that here in a little bit. Local storage is near average. The South Platte River storage, so that'd be out in eastern Longmont, is above average. So as the water uh, comes out of the mountains through snow melt, there's um, a smaller hole than might otherwise uh, we would find. Uh, Longmont's guiding water principles, in, uh, in particular application of the raw water requirement policy, water conservation master plan, and raw water master plan continue to position Longmont in a really strong position. Uh, probably though the most significant uh, difference this year is that of the snowpack. Um, snowpack in the St. Vereen Basin is near 100% of average and is one of the strongest in Colorado. A lot of other uh, watersheds don't have uh, as strong of a snowpack as we do. Um, you, you find that there's kind of a, a invisible line in Colorado. If you're north of that line, it's typically, we're finding that it's wetter. If you're south of that line, it's drier. And that line kind of ebbs and flows. Uh, this year, we're kind of on the north side or in the wetter side. So here's a graph. Um, the graph represents where South Platte River Basin snowpack is. So this would be for the entire South Platte uh, River Basin. The upper line is uh, the maximum that we've seen. The middle line, the green line, is the average, and the red line is the minimal, uh, minimum amount. So you might consider the red line typically represents what we would have seen in 2002 for those that have, were around Longmont at that time. In the South Platte Basin, the overall snowpack is currently around 85%, and that's represented by that dark black line. Whereas in the North St. Vrain Basin, that's the uh, watershed that feeds um, Button Rock Reservoir, Longmont's water supply, primarily for the winter time, which is at nearly 100%. So again, our specific basin in snowpack is doing much better than, than others. Next, we've got a slide on the upper Colorado uh, River snowpack, which shows the supplies there to be around 75%. This particular graph represents where communities such as um, Denver and Aurora would get their transbasin supplies. In comparison to Longmont, this is a graph that as an example of what the snowpack looks where Longmont gets its transbasin supplies, which again shows our snowpack to be uh, slightly over 100%. So some of the factors that may impact Longmont's outlook, um, we've, we've identified a number of different ones. The, uh, these factors uh, kind of categorized into four general groups. The first being if there was a significant increase of Longmont customer water use over projected amount. So in other words, if um, for whatever reason, the customers uh, used more than was expected, when we run our scenarios, we anticipate up to about a 2.5% increase over the previous year. And that seems to be a fairly con uh, uh, conservative estimate. Um, the second would be a significant reduction in late summer precipitation. So if it's very dry and hot, um, that would make a difference. We typically see that we receive about 
one and a half inches per month on the average in the summer months. So if we don't get th those types of rain and it's hot and dry, windy, which we're all tired of, um, that, that could have a, an impact. Uh, significantly abnormal runoff. That would be where the runoff is quick and short. That means there's less water in the longer end of the, of the summer. That would happen if it got really hot early on and stayed hot for a couple weeks. Uh, that would have an impact. Um, lastly would be a disruptive event such as major fires, and we've all uh, experienced those. Any one of those four things could, could change the outlook, but those are the four primary categories. So lastly, we wanted to highlight two data summary charts that include that were included in the board's packet. It was they're referred to as Table A and Table B. Those are the two uh, tables that really define as to what criteria, what uh, level we would be at. So the first one here is the uh, Table A that was found in the board's packet. This uh, graph. It shows on the far right, you can't read it unless you're looking in your packet or maybe home online, but the far left um, column shows what it was in 2002. And that was when we were last at a, um, uh, a level one, and for a short period, we were at a level two drought response. <coughs> Excuse me. The next two columns show what the uh, supply versus demand was for 2020 and 2021. The middle, the middle column is for this year and then the last two for the two years following in 2023 and 2024. So what we're really paying attention to in this plan is what is the projection for this year and the next two years, all of which, as I indicated earlier, are above the 135% trigger point. And lastly, uh, Table B. This speaks specifically to Ralph Price Reservoir, and it gives a amount that is to be expected in storage at the end of the runoff. Uh, for that, we choose July 15th. And staff's uh, prediction is that Button Rock will fill, and certainly within the greater than 90% necessary to be at a sustainable conservation level. So the runoff typically begins at the end of April. This year we found that in our basin it's not started until just last week, so at the first part of May. So it's actually moved back. So we're just now starting to fill Button Rock, but we're definitely uh, positioned to be able to fill it by the end of the uh, runoff season. With that, um, if there's any questions, I or if they're really hard, Ken can help answer them. <laughs> Otherwise, um, that's that's um, all I have. Thank you, Wes. Our Councillor Martin. Oh, yeah, that would be good. <laughs> Thank you, Mayor Peck. Uh, great job, as always, Wes. And um, I, I th this was a really clear presentation, and it uh, explains that Longmont has been prudent in the way it has provisioned itself with water and that we have been prudent in the way we have used water in the past and um, we have plenty you know is the is the bottom line there it doesn't answer a question that 
um, environmentalists in the city um, often ask in good conscience, and I have, we had one today in public invited to be heard, where um, the conclusion was we should not plan to do something that uses water because that water belongs in the Colorado River. And here we have a situation where um, lakes all the way down from the, the one that actually um, we get our hydropower from all the way down to Powell and Mead are so low that the hydro vents are sticking up out of the uh, out of the surface of the water or very nearly so. And so the question that the public asks is why can't we put our excess back or more logically speaking why can't we simply decline to divert the water that we don't need and leave it on the western slope. I know that there is a pile of case law and, and you know, Colorado amazingly complex water law and it may be a precedent we don't want to set, but I would like you guys to explain this in, uh, you know, like we're five and explain to us mm -hmm. why that's difficult or why that's inadvisable or why we've never done it before. What would have to happen if we needed to do that? Thank you, Mayor, uh, Council Member Martin. Yeah, that's, a, that's a, a very good question and a very complex, um, large question to answer, and I'll try not to take too long. Um, but it, it's, uh, it's, it's both driven by Colorado water law and what can happen with water in Colorado, as well as um, the Colorado River Compact, which um, directs really what happens with water um, in the Colorado River all the way to uh, and including Mexico. Um, the any any water that um, our West Slope water, our two West Slope water supply sources, the Colorado Big Thompson and Windy Gap uh, water projects. Either one of those two projects, um, they are um, Longmont's not the only participant. So in the case of um, the Colorado Big Thompson projects, there's 310,000 shares of CBT or allotment units of the CBT. Longmont owns about 12,000, so we're 12,310 thousandths. <laughs> so we're, we, we got a significant holding, but it, we're still a very, very small portion of that project. At the if we chose not to, um, and and most years we do, you know, we rarely, if ever, use all of our CBT water um, because we hold it towards the end of the summer to make sure we have sufficient supplies when the stream, the native streams, our native basin goes down. If we don't use that water, it essentially re reverts back to the CBT system and then is reallocated that next year, um, and we get our proportionate allocation, but it's reallocated to all the participants in the project. Um, the CBT project um, does occasionally fill and spill, but it's fairly rare. Um, it, it, most years, um, there isn't sufficient water to completely fill it, so um, any water that's not used by Longmont um, would essentially not go down um, to either Lake Powell or Lake Mead 
um, and would, would be um, reallocated to other users. Then if any, any water would to go on past the Colorado Big Thompson, which is the very headwaters, um, there are many, many, many um, water rights and diversions all the way from the Colorado Big, you know, the Lake Granby area, all the way down to the Utah border. Any one of those water rights have the right to divert um, any water that another water user doesn't use. So um, it would most certainly be uh, diverted um, for mo most of the year. Um, during the spring runoff, you might get a little bit down there. Uh, <clears throat> then once it hits Lake Powell, um, that's, there's really an upper and lower basin. The upper basin is Lake Powell and up. The lower basin is below Lake Powell um, and on down. Any, any water that is in Lake Powell essentially becomes part of the overall Lake Powell and Lake Mead water supply that is managed by the federal government, U.S. Bureau of Reclamation. And um, there are a number of operating protocols that uh, essentially would let the, essentially in the past has let that water go on past Lake Powell down to Lake Mead. Um, and I'm going to editorialize here a little bit. <laughs> the lower basin uses more water out of Lake Mead than they should. <laughs> then they're allocated, then is prudent, and as a result, that pulls down both Lake Powell and Lake Mead. And so, um, yes, you know, water, you could try to get water on down there, but um, it would not have changed what we have, the situation we have right now with the water levels in either Powell or Mead. So, um, yeah, that's um, incredibly complex of why and how all that operates. So just to sum up, what you said is, no matter how much we want to, there's no way for us to earmark any of our water for Lake Mead. Somebody else is going to get it. It might as well be us. That is true. <laughs> we, okay. we can't. Thank you. Yes. Doesn't look like there are any other comments. Thank you very much. This was very helpful. Thank you. Oops, looks like we have uh, Mayor Pro Tim Rodriguez. Yeah, I just wanted to make the motion to accept the City of Longmont's 2022-2023 Water Supply and Drought Management Plan. Second. So that has been moved by uh, Mayor Pro Tim Rodriguez, seconded by Councillor Martin. All those in favor? Well, let's, let's vote first before I ask that. <laughs> Oops, I'm going to turn it on. So that carried unanimously. Thank you, Thank Ken. You. So let's see what else do we have here. Oh, now we come to, first of all, does anybody need a break? Should, are you ready to take a break? Or should, can we move on, continue? Wrap it up? <laughs> Thank you. We are. <laughs> now we're at general business, which is, um, our public lands, facility, and shelter reservations, and we do have a presentation on this. Yes. Thank you, Mayor Peck, Sandy Cedar, um, Assistant City Manager. I'm going to just start it up and frame it a little bit, as, as Harold might if he were here, and then turn it over to the team to talk a little bit about the process, what some of the goals of this was, and what we're asking tonight. 
So first of all, I just want to make sure that people understand what the goals of what we're doing are, and so I've laid them out here on this presentation. We're really trying to create safe and welcoming parks for all. Um, and so we've created a neighborhood impact team, which I think you heard from a couple months ago regarding particularly Lanyon Park, but they've done some work and experimentation on what types of things worked in order to keep our park safe and welcoming. <clears throat> the desired outcome of the changes that we're going to propose tonight is to enhance the health and safety and welfare of all the park users. Um, these changes will provide clarity not only for our public safety partners, but also for the community. Um, really help with enforcement and sustain the efforts that the neighborhood impact team have tried on Lanyon and now car parks. So we're talking about three changes tonight, um, and you can choose some of them, none of them. Give them, give us other direction. It's it's up to you how you'd like to move forward tonight, or you can pass the ordinance as it sits. Um, the changes are include the camping definition, um, shelters, and park hours, as you've heard from public invited to be heard. Um, this is not an issue of one group of, of bad actors or people who are, for example, experiencing homelessness. This is a situation where we have seen a variety of things happening in the parks. Um, and so after doing a little of experimentation, we're finding that these three changes we believe would help park-wide. So with that, I'd like to go through a little bit of the process. I'd like to turn it over to Carmen um, Palacios Ramirez to start with that. Good evening, Mayor and Council. Uh, we're going to share this presentation, but we will make it quick so you can see everybody that's been working on this. So as you recall, we came in February and we talked a little bit about the neighborhood impact team and the process. At that time, really what we wanted to do was begin our focus on uh, what we had already started our focus on two neighborhood parks, Lanyon and Carr. And this was coming from the community. So this was coming from the neighbors where Lanyon Park had become the broken window of that neighborhood. They had abandoned it, and to regain the trust has taken not only a lot of work, but I don't think we have that trust as of yet. Um, this is what we heard from the neighbors, and this is what we saw as staff also. Park staff, uh, uh, park rangers, also our public safety staff, and other folks that work in the area that this, uh, we wanted to really work on making public spaces, uh, that the public spaces, I'm sorry, were not welcoming and safe for residents and visitors. Little league teams or softball teams had refused to play at the field there uh, because they did not feel safe. Uh, so that's still a question at this point. The alcohol and drug use and littering in the park area, especially folks leaving belongings behind that they no longer had a use for. The monopolization of the park shelter, excuse me on that one. Uh, but they were occupying the shelters for all day long. Literally folks were encircling the shelters with shopping carts or, or tarps and they were there all day long. It was not a matter of a couple hours. It was not a matter of three hours. Um, so what we saw was a decreased resident activity and recreational use. People were refusing to hold activities there. They were refusing to rent the shelters because of the reputation of the park. And as I said, we've got other team members. So I'm going to have David Kennedy, Officer David Kennedy, talk a little bit about service calls and other data. Good evening, Mayor, Council Members, David Kennedy, Longmont Public Safety. I don't see the slide up there yet. I'm just waiting for that to... Oh. I'm sorry. Here we go. 
Uh, council members, what you're looking at here is just a breakdown of the total calls for service beginning in March of 2021 and extending through April of 2022. So these are total calls for service month by month. So um, just to break down that a little more for you, what that means is that in total there were 571 calls for service. And that includes every police activity. Um, of that 571, 341 calls for service were extra patrols. In other words, um, these are proactive efforts by police to get out of their cars and spend time in the park. And this is at all different times of the day. So this is not just after park for a few hours, this is at any time of the day. Um, in 2021, there were a total of 48 uh, park curfew violations. Um, by 2022, that number dropped to four. Um, in 2021, there were 20 trespassing violations. Once again, in 2022, that number broke down to four. Um, there were um, just a few other data points to, to mention of, of note where there were 11 total warrant arrests at the park um, during that uh, one year period. And all the other call data is pretty small as far as um, there, there's 35 different other call types that are included in that 571, um, none of which really ranged over um, just uh, one, two, or three calls for service regarding each data point. Does anybody have any questions regarding the data you're looking at? Okay, thank you. I'll turn it over to Sarah Arney. Good evening, Mayor Peck and council members. Sarah Ernie, Master Police Officer, Neighborhood Resource um, Officer is my title. Um, we've been working on this project for several months and I wanted to go through um, the neighborhood impact team and what we found. Um, a while back we gave you a presentation on what the neighborhood impact team consists of and, and the efforts that we have um, gone toward in the, the projects that we have been assigned with. Um, so. What we've identified in Lanyon is, and what we've wanted to do is decrease the number of unhoused folks living on the streets and provide opportunities to access services and housing. And then decreasing opportunity for anyone to behave badly in our parks and that's where our extra patrols really were able to step up and, and make that difference. Um, working in collaborations with agency partners to connect and engage unhoused people into the programs, uh, we worked very, uh, I say very closely, we had weekly meetings with Elder and Lead and Hope when they um, were needed, and especially Hope. Um, sustaining a balance of intervention service and compliance that supports welcoming and safe public spaces. So you know, I know you've heard this, um, talking about bringing, bringing activities to the park. We want to bring these activities to the park, but we've heard so many times that people aren't feeling safe in the park, so they're not going to come. So we could, we could bring all these activities, but ultimately at the end, we're not gonna have any participation if we don't have that safe feeling. Uh, sustaining a communication plan that informs neighbors, businesses, community partners, and homeless of intervention resources and compliance efforts. Um, we've done that in, a, in many ways, I would say. We have separate emails and phone lines for each of these neighborhoods to reach out to us and we can check these. And we do, um, we're getting a lot of feedback even, even to this day. Um, our resource fair, uh, there's several folks that came out 
uh, we're very appreciative of that, and I know the few of you that were there met a few of the people that talk to us all the time. Um, one thing I did want to say, too, about the, the stats uh, is that we get a weekly uh, park data or calls for service, and it ebbs and flows just like anything in our city, but I would say Lanyon Park has been our number one calls for service for some time now. And you have to also consider that that number is high because we're doing these extra patrols, right? So that's why that number is so high. Um, so that's, that's not a bad thing. I just wanted to point that out to you. I'll turn it over to David. Thank you. Oh, sorry. Carmen Darmides, um, Mayor and Council. Uh, so real quickly, we just wanted to mention that Lennon and Car Park curfew hours were changed temporarily a few months ago. And neighbors at both parks have expressed appreciation and a better sense of safety because of the change in the curfew hours specifically. We haven't even talked about the other two proposed uh, changes. Um, and then also in the proposed amendment changes, it'll help us to address and sustain the efforts that we're doing, not only at Lanyon and Carr, but we also know that there's a tendency for some of these issues, vandalism, graffiti, and other of the behaviors that happen, they've moved. You've heard it over the years. You've heard it at different parks. We focus on one park, what's going to happen? It moves to another park. So that's another reason that you might want to consider. And the efforts to sustain it is, unfortunately, this is where we're at, to try and provide better clarity, consistency, so that we can enforce. But as you've heard, we also work on compassionate compliance. Um, you heard from a gentleman from Change the Future, Anthony Carrillo, I went out there on a Sunday to meet him and the group that feed folks and provide him with flyers uh, regarding resources. The response at that time was, I didn't know all these things were available. So I'm doing that constantly, whether it's the neighbors or a community member that uh, would like to help. I'm trying to say, hey, this is where we have resources. Join those folks and let's expand their capacity. So I just wanted to share that also. David's going to go through the proposed amendments. Good evening, Mayor and Council members. You all have received the, the three ordinances you've heard about a little bit this evening, but I just want to take a little time to talk about how we got to the, went through the thought process to come up the, in crafting the language that really ended up with these, these specific ordinances. Um, as Carmen mentioned, this started out as a change to Lanyon and Car Park, which can come through our rules and regulations. The director can make those changes in hours um, just by posting that. So those are able done just through an administrative process, through um, the request coming to the director, and then me making the approval to make those temporary changes. As we look at the input from council and the neighborhood impact team to make this a broader um, rules and regs change across all our parks, we want to make sure we came to council with um, that sort of background that we've seen it work at, at Langley, we've seen it work at Carr, and give the opportunity for us to kind of bring a, a ordinance through that addresses all the, the, the parks. As we went through the camping definition, we already have a definition that says you cannot, uh, ordinance that says you cannot camp in our parks unless it's a, a, an area that is already designated for camping. Right now we have no designated camping areas. That was Union at one point. So there really is no place that allows camping. 
this new definition really allows us to define what camping is. So as you read through this, there's several elements that really define what camping it is. It really is those more than two hours. It's having something that provides shelter or cover for more than two hours. And it's those activities of daily living that go along with it. So there are elements that go along with that. We also looked at how we would manage some of the, the sporting activities out at Sandstone Ranch. We talk about having tents because we're going to treat everyone the same. If you're under a tent and it's more than two hours, we're going to have the ability to have an officer stop by and talk to you about why you're there and what you're doing. Um, but if you're at Sandstone, um, our recreation division leases those areas out for those sporting activities. So they would fall under the definition of the, the lease or the, the terms of the lease. We also know that we have a couple of parks in our system that people can be out with probably less clothing than other ones. Dickens Park and McIntosh, where they're out on the water and um, probably enjoying the sunshine and want to have people to have the ability to have some sort of shade structure. So this definition allows for us to post certain parks to allow for shade structures longer than that two-hour period. And that can be posted. And again, we'll probably start with those two areas where we know people have the ability to have more sun exposure and want to give them the opportunity to to protect themselves from that. So that's where we end up with the camping definition. I could do these one at a time. If you have questions about a specific one, or I'll just go through all three of them. All right, I'll keep, I'll keep going. I, I do have one question. Yes. Uh, the two-hour limit, um, does this also apply to people who reserve a shelter for a, a picnic? I mean, sorry, for a birthday party or whatever. Mayor, council members. Um, that is also excluded if you have if you have the the reservation for the shelter it goes um, not to see that and I think that is is a little vague in here it's the piece as you read of the L LMC thirteen twenty seventy which is our shelter reservation. Okay, thank you. So we we tried to look at all those again. I think that that background is try to talk through these as a group on what we can do to make it usable for the people who are trying to do those proper activities, the things we want to see in the park, the activities we want to see in the park, the birthday parties we want to see in the park. So, uh, Councillor Hidalgo Faring also has a question. Thank you, Mayor. I have a follow up question to that. Um, so, you know, you had said that people could reserve those spaces for a longer period of time. Um, you know, I guess for the public, general public, is there a fee? How, how is the process, you know, going online? You know, if you could kind of define for the public what that process looks like so they know where and how to extend those hours. Yeah, Mayor. Um, and Councilmember Hardado Faring, um, there is a process, and you can go online. You can check and reserve the, the the shelters. That could be some people don't have the computer skills. They don't have the computer. They don't have their phone right there. So we also have a phone number that people can call in. I'll get the phone call sometimes. We'll go to recreation sometimes. We really try to walk them through that process to make it as easy as possible. So people that have the the ability to just log on and do it, it's a pretty easy process. If you need some help, there's always going to be a person that's willing to help you out. So the piece I don't have for you this evening is I don't know the price on the shelters right now, but we can make sure we get back to you. But the website will have that as you go to that. Looks like you can continue. All right. Um, the next one would be the shelter reservations. And that this is something, again, as we talked about, these ordinances affecting just a certain group of people. One of the things that is we have been dealing with shelters and shelter reservations, when we get a group of 15 people that just show up or 20 people that um, show up, that has an impact on the parks and operations staff because there's trash associated with that. The next group that comes in um, doesn't have a clean shelter. So the more we have knowledge of large groups coming into the system, the better chance we have to set that up, make sure trash is empty before they get there, and then have trash emptied afterwards. So there really is an operational piece that benefits parks operations by having um, the 
15 or more people um, giving a reservation. The two hours, again, is I think there's that ability to that first come, first serve, which is always nice. But if someone takes that, that shelter for the whole day, it makes it hard for those people that want to come in and, and use it after their event or for a shorter for a short amount of time. So I think those really, again, address a lot of broader issues that we've seen in our shelters and how we have more equitable use throughout the shelters and also give park operations a chance to really manage those shelters better. And then the last one, which I think you heard the most about this evening, is going to be the park hours. And as we looked at this, was a combination of um, conversations between recreation and programming, park use, neighbors that live close to the park, ability to move through parks, using facilities within the parks, and how we came to that, that uh, ability to do that. And what we really did is said, we want people to use those facilities that were meant to be used the way they were. So if we have lighted facilities within a park, that use can still continue until 10 o'clock at night. Um, it was 11 o'clock, so we do have that change. And if there's questions on sort of the patrol pieces that came into that, officers could probably touch on that a little bit more, but that one hour seems to really make a difference as they're out patrolling the parks. So you can be in the park using those lighted facilities. If you're over your friend's or neighbor's house and you're walking back through, again, our parks, trails, and greenways are open for continual movement through the park. So you have access to the park. If it's out through the walk to walk your dog or moving through, it's fine. And it's using facilities. It's, it's going to be acceptable activities as well. We went with one hour before sunrise, one hour um, after sunset for a couple of reasons. We had been using dusk and dawn. Um, that would have given us three different sets of hours. We would have had the, the community parks, which are um, 5 a.m. to 11. We would have had our nature areas, which are one hour before sunrise to one hour after sunset. And then our neighborhood parks would be dusk to dawn. If you look at those times, they're very close together. And it makes it easier for, I think, our community and our um, officers to recognize we just have two sets of rules and regs as far as hours. We have the, the community parks, and then we have the neighborhood parks and um, nature areas that are going to be the one hour before sunrise and one hour after sunset. And I end up with the question Councilor slide as well. <laughs> Thank you, Mayor Peck, um, and uh, David, and and uh, everybody. Um, my questions may bounce around a little bit. I would at first like to um, address the good points that were made by the public this evening. Um, having been following this. Uh, effort since, what, July 21st of last year? Is that the official kickoff date? Um, what I have found is that this is a process. And I, I have things that I would have changed about the process. I would like uh, uh, to state an objective for future processes at some point this evening if I get the chance. But it is a process that was developed through a long period of effort, and I believe that we should respect the process and respect the um, numbers and the outcomes that this, what I would call a tiger team uh, out of the private sector, um, came, up, came up with. And while we might want to relax these, uh, these, this ordinance in the future, when we've got a better handle on how our indigent population and our permanent residents interact with one another, um, then we can do that. But I think for right now, we 
ought to respect the findings of the team uh, as, as they've come up with them, because I'm sure that they have balanced these figures in terms of what is patrollable, what is enforceable, and what the um, neighborhoods most at risk, uh, how they feel about it. And what uh, David made the point, which I didn't know, is that if you're walking your dog or you're going home, you can still walk through the park after it's closed, uh, which makes a big difference because the only people I know who care about real late night stuff are the people walking their dogs. And I also know, uh, having an intimate relationship with Lanyon Park and the late night users of Lanyon, that there is vandalism at Lanyon. There are people sleeping all night in that park. And so all this stuff still applies. It just doesn't happen to be as visible. Okay. Um, Mayor, how much time do I have? Two minutes. Okay. Seconds. Um, I have uh, some questions and I can read them in a minute, um, but uh, I can't do it if I, in, and get the answers. So what I'd like to do is read my questions and then uh, give you the list and you can answer them. How many incidents of violence, violence involving unhoused persons in Lanyon Park were reported since July 2021? How many such incidents were, pre, were reported the prior year? Who's reporting the incidents? Neighborhood residents, passersby, patrol officers, etc. How many incidents of nonviolent infractions using, uh, of using alcohol, needles, or verbal confrontations or inappropriate behavior? Who reported the incidents? How many incidents of curfew violations such as cancel, camping overnight, sleeping in restrooms or shelters? How often were apparently abandoned belongings, including clothing, bedrolls, and trash, picked up by city staff? And how often were shopping carts confiscated by patrolling officers? And um, if somebody wants to have the list, I've got a copy of it. Um, and I'll, uh, I'll use those questions um, in my next time at BAT. Uh, Councillor Martin, uh, staff can answer those questions. They're, they're not on a timer. <laughs> well, I've never been sure whether the timer stops, when the timer stops and starts again, so I thought I'd make sure. We think we can get close on many of these, but let's bring up a little sheet for you. We have a lot of this data. But part of the issue is that it's really tiny. <laughs> yeah. Tiny, tiny. Yeah. So let me bring it up on the screen. It's pretty tiny, but let me go ahead and bring it up while we're talking here. And I'm only asking for an approximation because I know my questions aren't going to be the yeah. same as your spreadsheet. Yeah, because we, we don't have, I don't believe we have a coding for shopping carts and stuff like this in this particular sheet, right? So let me pull it up and let's take a look and see what we've got here. If it would be okay, maybe just a two-minute break while I bring it up. Okay, that, that would be, okay? be perfect. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I like that. So we're going to take a two-minute break. <laughs> Unless there's other data that people are interested in that we could look up during this break as well. Uh, is anyone else interested in having a question answered at this? Uh, Councilor Yarbrough? Re regarding the data, yes. not the policies. Regarding the data. No. Okay. Okay. We're good. All right. We'll work on it while you take a break.
Okay, we're ready for your presentation. Um, so what we do have in front of you here, and we're going to get some copies made, are the types of violations that have happened, particularly in Lanyon Park over the last two years. I'm going to show you in two ways. This is the type, the call type, so that you have an idea of what the call type is. And as I said, we're going to get some copies for you because it's really tiny. Um, and then we also have kind of a time frame, being able to look and see what it looks like over time. So things like violent crimes, um, you know, you're talking about disturbances and assaults and things like that. What we don't have available tonight that we could get for you if the council directs is who reported it and who, in, who it includes. So we have the numbers on, on how many and we have them broken out between 2020, I mean, yeah, 2021 and 2022. What we don't have at our fingertips is who reported it and was there somebody who was homeless that was involved. So if the council directs us to do that, we can certainly provide that information um, and bring it back. So I'll go ahead and pass those out. So I'm gonna turn it back over to uh, Officer Arnita. Yeah. Yes. So just to um, council, um, sorry, Mayor Peck and council, um, to reiterate what um, Assistant City Manager Sandy Cedar was talking about, um, as far as number five, reported these incidents. So people have the ability to call in and remain anonymous. That's going to be an option. Uh, our residents can leave their name and or it's an officer that's going by and seeing activity and that's how generally uh, we get our, our reports. And, and we can get that data but it's going to take a, a bit deeper dive into each call for service. We're probably going to have to our crime analyst actually look at each call and make that determination who the caller was whether it was a citizen or you know a passerby that kind of stuff so which we can do if that's what council would okay. like. Uh, yes, and and just so you know as well, we've been tracking. I've been tracking a lot of this data on my own on our Teams app, so other city staff has access to view it. And we also have Parks uploading it, their activity uh, as far as staff uh, seeing issues. They're posting pictures of of damage and vandalism, so anyone can view that that has access to Teams. And so I can pull that data as well from what I'm collecting and our CAD system. So we're, we're really trying to stay on top of it as far as the, the data piece goes. Officer Arnie, uh, would you rather we hold our questions to the end of everything or do you want each, does it matter to you? It does not matter. Anytime, yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, Councillor Martin. Uh, thank you, I just wanted to say um, I don't want to make this much work. I am really interested in, of course, somebody else could be interested in more, but I'm only interested in things that are dangerous, okay? So a sex assault, an assault, shots heard, um, because uh, I'm going someplace in, in particular with this, and I, um, you know, uh, an auto theft isn't going to be applicable. Criminal, uh, uh, an injured animal isn't going to be applicable um, because what we're looking at is is what creates a dangerous situation. So you probably know the codes better than I do, but that's the only part I'm really interested in. And thanks, by the way, this was quick work getting all this. Sure. Um, one thing too, I wanted to point out. So, you know, if you look at 
at this uh, handout we provided, it basically starts out with the number one calls for service, and that would be the extra patrols. But if you go down, the curfew is the second uh, most uh, call, you know, highest call for service, then trespassing. And then just if you see the disturbances, so that that basically can be the root cause of a lot of other uh, issues, right? Like we get a, a disturbance call and then we find narcotics or um, uh, someone that has a, a dangerous weapon, et cetera. So um, that just ranks how many, like where we were and as far as the types of calls we were getting. So yeah, what, what it does is just kind of give you that general picture like Sarah says. Sometimes things start off as one thing and really turn out to be something completely different. Um, so once again, kind of that deeper dive, um, you know, let's use the sex assault that's in 2021, for example, I, that's a serious crime, a very concerning crime to the community. So we need to look at the details of that case and really find out, is that something that's related to this discussion that we're having today? And as far as um, you, you had asked, um, how often are we collecting abandoned belongings, including clothing, bedrolls, et cetera? Park staff has, have been uh, giving me the information so I like I just mentioned I'm keeping track of that but I can tell you and I'm sure David could speak to that um, it's daily and it is taking a lot of their time and uh, efforts to keep to keep this the parks clean and the shopping carts I'm tracking those as well um, how, how they're being confiscated by officers is it's really on an ebb and flow and time basis on calls for service. We have gone into patrol uh, briefings. They're all educated on the process and how we're doing that. And to be quite honest, we don't have all the time to do that. It's definitely been an effort that we're trying to keep up on and other, other city staff are helping us do that. Yeah, I would just, I would just add that um, Officer Arnie has been sending out uh, emails to all city staff recently saying you found a shopping cart let us know and help us get it back to its rightful owner um mayor i did a little bit of quick math on those that were the violent crimes that we were just talking about in 2021 that would equal 47 and of course you, you have to understand that 2022 hasn't happened have, you know we're not through 2022 yet but 47 in 2021 and 8 in 2022 those are the things you and i identified Councilmember Mark, does that help you get, what else would you like to know that we haven't been able to provide you tonight? Um, you know what, I'm going to make a proposal uh, on the second round, and, uh, and you can maybe infer what else I might be interested in. Or what else you might be interested in. Okay, thanks. Councilor Yarbrough, you had your light on uh, before with this presentation. Do you still want to speak? Okay. Thank you for all you do. Um, I just want to bring up, you know, we had a lot of, you know, public to be heard about this. And, and I know this, we has, you all have started this last year before I was on council. And um, for some reason, it just seemed to me that there was some type of, there was a lack of communication as to why the community didn't know that we were having these discussions about the parks. Um, I know in February, I was on council and we were talking about it. So is there a gap 
that you feel like, um, I know people in the Lanyon Park area and Car Park area have complained, and, um, and I know our neighborhood team, you all have done a, a wonderful job, um, you know, with that information. But is there um, something we're missing as to why the community feel like they're not being heard or feel like um, this is like a last-minute decision on city council part or the city part? Um, because we've been talking about this for a long time. So I guess I'm just wondering where are we missing, you know, the, the miscommunication to the public? Um, and why do they feel like their voices are not being heard, or this is like a last-minute situation. Um, I don't I don't know, so I I'm a little confused about that. And maybe you don't even have an answer. I don't know, but I'm a little confused because I know in February we was talking about it before we even came got to this, this point. Um, and also, if one of you or both of you or all of you can just mention as to why it's important that we are consistent across the board with all the parks. If you can mention that, I would appreciate that as well. Mayor Peck, Council Member Yarbrough, let me take a shot at the first one and then maybe I can get some help on the second one. Um, so I think that traditionally we do a lot of community involvement around things that we're either going to be doing to improve parks or we're going to be improving community. In this particular case, I think it was pretty serious and pretty severe and very quick. Um, maybe not quick in what's happening, but certainly our response, we were trying to be very quick in that response. So it's a very fine line between what is the right role of the community in that involvement and what is the operational decision that the city needs to make to be able to take care of an issue that's coming up in a neighborhood. And so this one probably fell more on the operational decision-making side than it did the community involvement side, but I can see why people would feel that way because generally we do have very robust community involvement decision-making. Um, and so in this case, I think really reacting to a situation that um, we, we had to in order to provide safety for a neighborhood. Um, so I'm sure it feels that way to the community that they weren't really included in the decision making. And I would say to some extent that's very true because we're really reacting to something that's happening uh, in, in the community. And I would say it's not just Lanyon and Carr. I do think there are other parks where we have received similar types of calls. Um, and so it's a tough line because we want to involve the community when their voice is going to make a difference. And so in this case, if we're really going to be looking as an operational decision, it's, it's a tough line. So there's, there's my answer to number one. Your, your second question was about why it's important for it to be consistent. So I'm wondering if maybe Carmen or Sarah could answer that. Oops, turn your microphone on. There you go. Okay. Mayor Peck and Council uh, Person Yarbrough. So one of the things that is really important in order for us to be able to keep this operational is sustaining it and consistency. As you heard earlier, we, if we have rules for the greenways and we have rules for this park but the, different for this park, then there's that issue of all of uh, public safety, park rangers, and other staffs understanding those different rules, as well as the community. So this helps across the board, just like currently um, curfew for youth. It's across the city, whether they're in a park or they're on the street, there's a, a particular curfew. So that consistency and that ability to sustain the efforts. And then, as I mentioned earlier, um, I have been at meetings on athletic field. Uh, where we had over a hundred neighbors 
when the issue was happening at Athletic Field, the Kitely neighborhood. We have been at meetings with Roosevelt Park when there was uh, probably at least close to 100 people, uh, as the officers are nodding their head and they remember, uh, when the, the neighbors were uh, really feeling the same thing that the Lanyon Park neighbors felt. Uh, I believe that in Lanyon Park we have a lot more uh, multi-housing rentals. Sarah actually has 10 properties that are part of crime free. Uh, multi-housing and we've done that outreach so it hasn't been to just a couple of blocks around that area so as Sandy said uh, because it's operational and because we looked at those most impacted by the activity we did that outreach for car park we sent out over 300 letters uh, informing them of the curfew change I got two calls and both said thank you thank you thank you and then explained that uh, they had um, had some thefts and they believed that it was people that were hanging out in the parks late at night. Um, so there is some activity there that they said addressed it. So I hope that helps answer that question. Councilor Yarbrough. Thank you. For Thank you. Can I add a little bit to that? Thank you, Mayor Peck and Councilwoman Yarbrough. Um, I really think you talk about consistency in, in, in our parks and around our community. And what we, from the start of this, public safety knew what we, we already knew what we were going to have to chase. And that, that was going to focus, focusing on Lanyon Park so much, we, we knew they were going to go to the next park or to North Main. So we really focused our efforts not just on Lanyon, but the North Corridor and Car Park. So we have information on all of that. And we have since the beginning because we knew we were going to have those issues. And consistency for all parks for the same rules makes it, makes it much easier for us to do any type of enforcement at all. Um, and, you know, it might seem really, um, I guess, elementary, but sometimes when when we're going to say a, a, a felony menacing, and all of a sudden, you know, we we need to remember these like small thing, the small things we don't always get to remember. And if it's confusing, it's it's like the just the next thing that we have to think about, right? Um, Mayor Peck, you had mentioned a little bit earlier about uh, how. This is, and we spoke, this is not a black and white issue as far as you're in the park sitting on a bench and you're there for five minutes and if a police officer drives by, we're going to stop and maybe talk to you and you could, the person just says, oh, we're just here, um, we're getting ready to leave. I, I don't believe we're going to get these these issues. We're, we're also going to be able to filter the problem with, with this and these um, these ordinance changes, it's it's not going to be that we cannot effectively do our jobs without. Um, and I'm kind of getting lost here. Sorry. What I'm trying to say is that uh, it's not so black and white, and it leaves the gray area for us to decipher what we need to do. Anything to add to that? And Officer, are you talking about specifically enforcement of Correct. this? So, for example, Correct. if the council did decide that they'd like to pass this ordinance as it's laid out today, the enforcement isn't black and white. The minute you see somebody in a Correct. park at one minute past one hour past dusk, it's not. Correct. You know, it's, it really is dependent on the situation and what they're finding. 
um, and yeah, what kinds of patterns they're seeing. So I think that's important to know too. As David mentioned before, if you're walking your dog through the park, that's not part of it, for example. Um, yeah. Does that answer your question about enforcement, Mayor Peck? It does. I understand that, like you said, it's not black and white, and until we are actually into the process, it's going to be very difficult to understand who's going to want to use that, want to stay in there after 10 o'clock. It goes, enforcing is difficult. It's not, it's not something you can just have a, 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 a draw line, and that's it. So, um, and that's the case all the time right. for, for our public safety officers. That's the, that's the case all the time. You know, a couple of the other things that I just want to mention is the partnerships around people who are unhoused. So I think that that's kind of been the focus of the conversation. But again, I would note that that's not every, every situation we're finding in the parks um, is not due to somebody who is unhoused. We have all kinds of people that are in the parks that are doing all kinds of things that may not be yeah. legal. Um, but when we are finding people who are unhoused, the first step is to try to find assistance, right? Because otherwise, we're just moving people along, just as the public spoke about and public invited to be heard. So those partnerships are critical um, in, in trying to get people into a situation where they are able to be housed. And that's, that's the first step um, before we continue to move on down that continuum. Do we have any other discussion from uh, other counselors? So does somebody want to make a motion here? Um, we have three options on this presentation. Or however or the council this. would like to proceed. We're, we're suggesting three ordinance changes in the ordinances below. You can either pass the ordinance as if this was a first reading, could ask for more information, you could pass pieces of it, or give us different direction. Um, let's see, uh, Councillor Martin. Whoops, I'm sorry. Try again. Thank you, Mayor Peck. Um, I would like to give additional direction, but just to get it out of the way, let's discuss the, the three proposed ordinances. And I would like to propose or move the, that we let them be taken forward as they are proposed. Okay, so it has been moved by Councillor Martin, seconded by Councillor Waters, that we uh, accept the amendments as proposed. We open for discussion. Not on this motion. Okay, so uh, the motion's been made. Um, let's vote on that motion. So that carries unanimously. So I guess we've accepted it as proposed. I do need to check in with Eugene. Does that mean that the ordinance has passed first reading and up for second at this point? That's kind of what I'm hearing. That's the intention, yes. Okay, thank you. Okay. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you. So we're at uh, final call, public invited to be heard. No, we're not. One more item. Where are we? Oh, B. Yeah, I think. Okay, so Councillor Martin. Um, 
What I have not heard uh, in all of this effort, and, and I do like where it ended up, um, is, is kind of an overarching principle. And I think that we have got two. One is we need to reduce the friction between the housed and the unhoused population. And maybe that's so high level that everybody just assumed that that's what it was, you know. Um, but I'd like to articulate that. And then the other thing is that I think we have to provide a basic level of human dignity. You know, we say that we are a housing first community when it comes to dealing with unhoused persons. But in fact, we don't have the wherewithal to be really housing first. And to a great extent, people are congregating around the park restrooms and shelters because it's the only unsupervised, unpoliced shelters that we have. And I have just this last week seen what can be done with one of those um, shelters at Affelter Park. It's what I would call hardened and what y'all would call septed or, or crime prevention through environmental design. Um, it's hard to vandalize when somebody's using it. Other people are locked out, so you can't get ambushed while you're using the restroom. If somebody stays in there too long or shoots up and dies or whatever, an alarm goes off. Um, and those things make places like that safer. I think everybody ought to have a place to use the bathroom and get water all year around. And I think that everybody, even if they don't fit into any of our housing programs, should be able to have clean water, a shower, and be able to wash their clothes. And mil-spec solutions for all of those facilities exist. And I think that we should budget for them and I think we should put them someplace that is not in the park. And I think that that facility should include lockers and maybe post office boxes. And that would draw the homeless population away from the park and have them using a facility that was built specifically to give them the basics of human decency as we define it in the 21st century. And so that's the additional direction that I would propose is that in this coming budget season that the staff investigate creating an indigent services facility. Perfect timing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, sorry, I just want to make sure I caught it. So in 2023 budget investigate an indigent service facility. And the reason I was asking all the questions about crimes was because the objection that I've heard is that such a facility would not be policeable. And I think it would. Councillor Waters. Mike on. Thank there you, you go. Mayor Peck. Uh, so our first, we have our first budget presentation next week, right? Uh, and I know that's going to be the, high, the kind of the overview. I see Jim in the back. We're not going to be looking at specific programs, but we will over the course of the summer. Um, so this direction gets taken up in the context of, I would assume, one of those. Maybe, if not public sa safety, uh, community services, or one of those budget presentations, we'll have a chance to talk about this specifically. 
Mayor Pat, Council Member Waters, yes, next week is a couple of things. One of those has included the, the budget, the, you know, the beginning budget conversations where you all are able to share some of your budget priorities for the next year. Yeah, very good. And the timing is good. The related piece to that is, if I think, as, I, as I'm listening to Council Member Martin, thinking about uh, what we received and, and, what, and what work we did, you all did the, the heavy lifting with ARPA funds. Uh, there was a million and a half dollar line, as I recall, and that could go up or down based on what happens with ARPA funding for other projects, specifically dedicated to, to something akin to what I just heard. Is that not That true? is true. So, so we would get a chance not only to talk about what the budget, how the budget reflects priorities for parks, but in addition to that, more detail or specifics on what that million and a half dollars would be used for and how close it comes to what we just heard as concerns from Councilmember Martin. Yes, at this time that ARPA funding is just earmarked for unhoused yeah. assistance, and I don't believe that there is a plan for it yet. Um, but All right, thanks. Yeah. Good comments. So now we are at the um, Parks and Rec Advisory Board motion regarding future recreation facilities. And we have Jeff uh, Friesner. Thank you, Mayor and Council Members. Jeff Friesner, Recreation and Golf Manager. I will be very brief. Um, I want to thank you for your consideration this evening of the Parks and Rec Advisory Board's uh, motion from February 16th, asking you all to consider a public process, financial analysis, and conceptual design of future recreation facilities. With that, I will answer any questions you might have. Do we have any questions from councilors? Councilor Waters. Thank you, Mayor Peck. Not questions really Discussions. for Jeff. Uh, do, is this, I'm just kind of curious what you would like. Would, would you like a motion that we accept this? I know we, all we did initially was agree to put it on the agenda. And I, I think you're correct. We need to put it on the agenda, but um, we might put it on a, a agenda specific, a date specific, if we're going to be talking about uh, budgets. Um, so I guess that's up to you if, you if you want to make a motion to do that to a future agenda. Um, what is there I just, any, I, I just, what's the most productive? Uh, so I would, I would I, that I'm going to move we formally accept, we accepted, we agreed to put this on the agenda. I'm going to move we formally accept the recommendation, and then to be scheduled would be the follow-up discussion about dimension, scope, timing, uh, uh, the, the schedule for a feasibility study, what that might look like. I, 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 I last night at the Prab meeting, there was a chance to get a, a little bit of an advanced look at what the the capital improvement budget includes. It, there'll be a line, there's a project code. I don't remember what year, but way more than we're gonna spend in 2023, but, it's, but it'll be in the queue for, for discussion. Uh, tonight or at the, um, at the agenda where it's actually- No, I'm, I'm talking about when it comes up. Absolutely, yeah. yes. So the motion then is that we formally accept the recommendation or the statement from the PRAB and, and continue the discussion when we get into capital improvement budget and, and moving forward what that might look like. I'll second that. So it's been moved by uh, Councillor Waters and seconded by myself uh, to 
move, to accept the PRAB's um, pre uh, discussion about moving this recreation facility discussion to a future agenda. Uh, let's vote. And that passes unanimously. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Okay. Thank you. Exciting. So, uh, Councilor Waters, did you have your hand up? Or? No, no, no. Okay. Oh. Okay. Don't move quickly. That's right. So now we're finally at the final public invited to be heard. Uh, I only see two members of the public here. Would you like to say something? No? Okay, thank you. Um, Mayor and Council comments. Do we have any discussion or comments from councilors? Seeing none. Oh, actually, I do. <laughs> um, Councilor Hidalgo Ferry. So um, I'm looking forward to the um, city employee breakfast this Thursday. I was looking at my calendar. I was like, I know that there's other stuff um, coming up. And then the memorial um, for fallen officers Thursday at well as well. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that and thank you for the invites and um, and these are open well the city breakfast employee breakfast is not open to the public but the other the other is and it is at 4:30 on Thursday right here in the Civic Center mall perfect okay. yes thank you It'd be great if you can join us yes um, Councillor uh, I'm sorry Martin um, thank you mayor Peck um, I just am taking this opportunity to ask for clarification because uh, I offered some additional uh, uh, direction for staff and I thought I had framed it as a motion but nothing happened. I, I didn't hear a motion. I said I would propose. Is that not count as a motion? Not really. Oh, you look so happy. <laughs> no, um, I'm not happy. Uh, okay, well, I'll put it on a future agenda then. Okay, good idea. Um, so, Assistant City Manager remarks. No other comments, Mayor. Eugene, City Attorney. No comments, Mayor. Okay, so we uh, need a motion to adjourn. So moved. I'll second that. It's been moved and seconded to adjourn. All those in favor? Vote. Please vote yes. So that carries unanimously. The meeting is adjourned. Thank you, everybody. Oh.